Okay, we are back from summer vacation. This was actually longer than summer vacation, as summer vacation is supposed to be like two months, and Legends was on hiatus for, as we all know, six and a half Summer Christian vacation years. is like three months. Yeah, three, two, it's like two and a half Three months. and like a half? Did you go to school? I mean, yes. Okay. Well, as as um Ari pointed out to me, I think last weekend, like when Legends goes away on hiatus, the two of us just get into other stupid shit. Oh yeah, no. So this time it was Dragon Age. This time it was Dragon Age. It was Dragon Age, and we also decided to finish watching all of Yu-Gi-Oh! the Abridged series. Yeah, one of these was a great decision. One of them, yeah, no, it was great. One of them was not. I actually, so I was, I was literally just got home. I was fucking around at Barnes and Noble and I like cracked open like a book on game development and they had a section on Inquisition. And I was like, sure, why the not why the fuck not? I'm sure this game was a nightmare to make, but it's nice to have it like confirmed in text. And yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was by like the game this was well, this was not a well made like, game. But also I learned a l- I've learned a lot the past couple of days about what, like, a bitch Frostbite is to work with, like, the engine that, like, all of the new EA games are made on. So, I feel First, bad, EA also... has never once made a good decision. No, this never, is... never, never, never. No, wait, I, I mean... Echo the Dolphin? EA, EA kudos, did Echo the Dolphin. Big kudos to Dragon Age Origins, because now coming back to Legends, even with the stuff Legends sometimes pulls, we're like, well, it's better than Dragon Age Origins. Origins is, Origins is, well, Origins is trying. Different offensive things. Oh, God, yeah. Well, like, yeah, no, they're all, uh, I think the best way to sum this up is when we were in Barnes & Noble at Union Square, and we were fucking around the manga section, but also kind of hovering around it, because we didn't want to be seen like we were looking at the manga section, and that's right next to the video game section, and I saw, like, a collection of, like, tie-in comics to Dragon Age. The bathroom. I just want of to course. clarify. I yeah, was no, using we were the there bathroom. for a reason. Not just to look at manga, but it it was there. It was there and I was bored. But yeah, they had like a collection of the, the comics, the tie-in comics, and I just was like out loud, like not on purpose, just like, oh, it's my bastard game? It's my bastard boy? And the guy at the register looked at me like I had like two heads, which yeah, okay, that's a weird thing to say about a game in public. But that's how I feel. It's my bastard boy. And uh, Legends is sort of like my beloved bastard boy. It, they really are. They really are our beautiful bastard boy. I was actually listening. I was walking back from Starbucks, and I was listening to, I think, the podcast we did for the third episode of the season when we meet Charlie. And, like, oh. um, we were, like, very nervous about the Kaiju episode. We were very unsettled oh by the pup- about the puppets and the dolls. We were right about that. So we were right about okay. that. The kaiju episode but was really also, good, though. I, I've noticed this, and I think this is just a thing. Like, have you ever noticed, like, if you've ever taught anything or, like, worked with, like, kids or teens, like, morning, everybody is really low energy and they don't want to be there. And then afternoon, everybody's like, I'm going to fucking light a bottle rocket indoors. Rock and See, roll. That's, that's funny because that's the opposite because I work with much younger kids and, like, at Eight o'clock in the morning, everybody's like, let's fucking do it. Let's fucking go. I'm going to finger paint and I'm going to punch a wall and tear down posters and do whatever. And then by like two o'clock in the afternoon, everyone's like, let's just have some snack and like go on the seesaw. It's whatever. Like, I guess it gets different. Like, it sort of splits when you get older. Because definitely when I was in high school. Yeah. Teens are different. Teens are also on different sleep cycles. Makes sense. That's true. That's very true. Um, But like that, I feel like because we've done now. 
a pretty decent amount of Legends episodes, and I just feel like the theme is kind of going to be first half of the season. Maybe we're a little ambivalent. Maybe we're a little... And then, like, second half, like, who get, who gives a fuck? Yeah, like, like at this point... Let's just go into the episode. Let's, let's just do it. I'm going to put... I'm going to put the music in right here. Transition in here. Yeah, I mean, like, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. This episode, welcome back. Welcome back to Legends in Review. We're an unofficial and unaffiliated podcast reviewing the okay television show DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I don't know why we do it. I don't know how we ended up doing this At long this point, term. Yeah, no. It's kind of, I mean, of I think things, at this point we just enjoy it. I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I guess we actually like it. I guess for all the jokes and all the We gags, do mostly. I guess I actually enjoy your fucking work, Phil. Fuck you. So this episode, fourth, ninth episode of the fourth season, excuse me, is called uh, Dot Haywood's Annual Hemophilia Tailgate and Brunch. Rachel and Ari. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And there are so many wonderful things I want to address about the fact that they had a hemophilia gala. But I do want to, before we go into Legends, just mention we're coming off a real high because not only did Arrow get fucking canned, but then Emily Bet Records did a fucking kickflip on her skateboard and said, later, nerds. I'm so proud and, of her. And I have never been, like, because it was one thing, because here's the thing I want to tell people about television, and this is one of those things when, like, Arrow gets canned, and I'm like, I can't explain to everyone how television works. But yeah. unless a show specifically is given, like, a set amount of seasons at the beginning, or says we're doing this many seasons, like this is the narrative we want, mm-hmm. getting canceled is not their choice. No, never. So it was like, you don't so get canceled Arrow, Everyone's like, well, Arrow is ending on its own terms, and this is what they want. And then Emily is like, I don't give a flying fuck about Bye. this. Bye. And simply wrote out, out. On, and just fucking, I think they're shooting the last episode of the season now. I'm so proud um, of her. She essentially basically, because... Greg Berlanti and Beth Schwartz were like, we are heartbroken. Um, they know that she was leaving because she is going to be like wrapped up in the last episode of the seventh season. But she kind of dropped it on them and like ran. And I'm so fucking proud I'm of her. So proud of her. For I hope she always, did the Gone Girl monologue the whole way home. I mean, I can't believe the only thing I have ever made for Elicity is a Gone Girl him and chill Gibson <laughs> for Felicity. <laughs> And Emily Bett Records called me personally to tell me I was right. Uh huh. And that was really good for me. Um, I was really, was I was really happy to hear that from her. Um, I do. The what's really great about Arrow ending and now Felicity leaving is that you know that Oliver is going to die violently in crisis. And there is nothing yeah. I am looking forward to more than Arrow's Oliver Queen dying a violent and painful death. Ari and I were. <laughs> Just talking, actually, about how we've never, we've never, yeah. I've never really had the urge for a character to die violently. Like, no. and yeah. argue, actually, we have, but the only three characters are Joffrey Baratheon, uh, Quentin Lance, like Quentin and Lance, Queen. and Oliver. And guess what? All we do is win. Yeah, no, Nothing I love but it. Prosperity. No, peace and prosperity on your home forever, and I love that. Like, well, I can't yeah. think. 
What's really great about this episode is that inexplicably, after being mentioned a few times in the beginning of season two when we first meet Nate, hemophilia fundraiser. It's like they for, they just put the plot point. I'm haunted by we that didn't because forget. it does really. We didn't. We didn't. It forget. feels too. Listen, pointed. listen, listen. I know that there were times in season two when Nate actively like didn't even lose his powers like he had them and then he lost them. I mean, lost them like this timeline didn't happen, so he never had them. And he did not get yeah. his hemophilia back. And I know that happened several times. And yeah, I know like we a... never mentioned it in season three at all. And I know if you come into the show, not. as many people did in season three, because that's when the show really started hitting its stride. Yeah. You're just like, you're what the be looking fuck at is this happening? And being like, why the fuck are they having a benefit for hemophilia? And the answer why are they is... giving such pointed call-outs of these two people I've never heard of? I received an ask. Why do all the invitations? Night before, night before I received an ask that was like, weird that they've never mentioned Nate's hemophilia since the beginning of season two. Like, isn't that weird? And I was like, ha ha, I'll, I'll just take a little dunk. I'll just take a little dunk. You know, we all, we've discussed this before. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fun dunk. And then they have that benefit. And so I'm like, who the fuck sent that to me? <laughs> Knowing I was, I'm, I only got a little dunked back on. Because yes, they mentioned it, but I'm still right about everything else. I'm still. Oh yeah, no, this doesn't undo the the lack of mentioning it for like literally entire seasons. But I am really amused by the fact that they were just kind of like, okay, we put it back in. Are you fucking happy? And the answer is no, never. There are so many good things about about them just having a random hemophilia benefit. One that they just decided to throw a benefit plotline in that they were like, you know what's fun? Dancing charity galas. Charity galas. That Nate's mom, I mean, it's just, and like, it's one of those things that gives like a lot of kind of sad backstory to Nate. That's like, here's a charity gala your parents have been throwing about how fragile you are your entire, the entire fucking time. life. Now, and you know he had to sit there and like hear them talk about him and like how delicate and fragile he is and how he couldn't go outside and like, this like, that's is literally it. Seth Cohen's fucking bar mitzvah that nobody came to. Yeah. Like every year, like once a year, Nate had to sit at the bar mitzvah that nobody came to by himself at a table and be like, you told me Summer Roberts was going to be here. And like comparatively to San, like if you compare Hank Haywood to Sandy Cohen. Yeah, like at least like you- Seth had a good dad. Yeah, like, because, of course, like, in the scene where you see... Like, Sandy Cohen when... would fist fight Hank Haywood, and I would pay money to Sandy see that. Sandy Cohen needs to fist fight. Like, because Sandy Cohen is a is a defense attorney, and Hank yeah. Haywood works for the government, so fucking prosecute his ass. Yeah. Let's do it. In, yeah, in jail. Let's go. Let's go. I'm all for it. But it is, it was like, like, you just, I just, I feel, you can't help but just feel so bad for him. Like, Nate, I mean... Yeah. Or at least, like, I'm just like, it's just like, you know, and I mean, this show can sometimes be really clumsy and awkward of how it does everything. Um, But there is something, I think, to the fact that, like, yeah, we're seeing this part of, like, we're seeing Nate's life in this way where it's like, oh, that's why you're like that. In a way that's really relatable and kind of depressing. But the Benefit Gala also did give us uh, room for literally one of my favorite kinds of, like, my one of my favorite tropes yeah. is okay. when there's, like, the, the big dance said, number like there are like big dance number i want to talk about the fact that nobody else was dancing like that no just them sarah she likes attention and she likes it and she wants it now there sarah there will always be women in rubber flirting with me land I, like oh my God. 
Oh, no, that is exactly what it is. Why did they have to do a tango? Phil! Yeah, like, I was, like, it's been a while, but I was definitely getting that vibe. And it wasn't even just, like, yeah, she clearly felt her girlfriend up in front of Nate's parents. She then proceeded to do the most conspicuous dance I have ever seen. In front of Nate's parents. And, like, the good news about that is that I'm pretty sure Nate can just spin that as, you know, well, you know Sarah. That's just who she (laughs) is as a person. Yeah. There she, there she go. Godspeed. There, and like, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's very in character for Sarah, but I also just on a personal level really love those like dance scenes where you guys are actually talking about plotting and strategy and like, hell yeah. Love that shit. It's my favorite. Couldn't tell you why, it just is. And it's also really sad because like, hey, remember when Sarah and Rip did that also? I wasn't going to bring it up, but yes, I do. I was really thinking, yeah, Sarah and Rip did that. And I was like, fuck. And I don't mean that in a way to complain, but I'm just like, she just keeps doing this. Yeah, no, because it was really sad, because then when they were reunited, Rip brought it up, and I was like, thanks, I hate it. Right, and she's like, yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, and then it just all kept kind of going downhill from there. Uh, Arthur Darville did not want to be on this show anymore. We miss him every day. You know what, Arthur Darville, you fuck ass, do what Honestly, no one cares about what you want. But like, look uh, what he did. Look at what God. Arthur Darville did. Um, but like, I, just, I also just want to mention Chris Fleming has a song called "How to Be a Grad Student." Oh God! And one of the things is that you take one, either salsa or tango, tango class, and you're the worst person in the class. And then every first date for the rest of your life, you teach them how to tango. And I just don't feel like they were tangoing super well. No, they were not. I mean, it's actually a genuinely kind of complicated maneuver. And yeah, I don't, if neither, well, Jess is a dancer. No, Katie and Jess are both dancers. Like, they have both had a lot of professional dance experience. Why I'm kind of like, it was just shot so, maybe they were good, but it was shot so awkwardly that I was like, yeah, the camera work was really weird. with each other, I guess, but the entire dance, like, I having a bad dance, and, like, yeah. I just think you should not have sacrificed dance choreography for the discussion they were having, because for me, it was very distracting. Oh, so awkward. Yeah, no, it was legitimately just kind of one of those things where I was like, we are you, know they like, I couldn't tell, like, balls out. Yeah, for this. so it was weird because I was like, I don't know how the narrative is expecting me to feel about this. Like, okay. I it was it was because of the weird way it was shot and the tone of their conversation versus the awkwardness of their dancing. I'm like, what am I supposed to be taking away from this here in this moment? Because you guys don't really seem to know, and that was a shame. Yeah, it was it was a very narratively confusing moment, and I know what you're thinking: narrative confusion in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Well, I would argue a lot of this, a lot of this, a lot of this episode was, like, very, like, narrative. Like, I, I talked about this briefly with you, but I think this, the whole thing, we might as well talk about the whole Sarah and Ava thing now, since we brought yeah. up the dance stuff, is, like, I can't, I'm running into a problem with this show because of the way that it's, like, cartoonish in its continuity, where nothing matters past an episode, Um, where I'm, like, I can't tell whether or not I should invest the emotional energy in caring about what this, like, sort of emotional moment means uh, for the characters or narratively, because I have literally zero idea if 
gonna matter in like three episodes but i think also part of it was because we were just coming back after a fourth month four month hiatus so the emotional punch might have maybe hurt more if it had happened if when you're in a relationship with someone and you have a fight with them you don't just break up yeah especially because like a breakup so, when like i'm yeah like i mean the thing like if sarah fucking lance is like hold on let's talk about this i think we're being unreasonable and we should try to handle our problems like mature adults you you, you fucked up somewhere <laughs> like yeah, if something has gone horribly wrong said, yeah because sarah like that's lance, not who sarah has been voice i'm really of proud reason. of her sarah lance her logic is a pleasing Thank you. I need to but stop singing like, on this podcast. I'm very bad at it. No, I like your singing. Don't say that about yourself. That's not fair. But okay, like, well, that is you. the sort of thing where I do feel like with Sarah, like, I mean, because these characters, it feels like too abrupt for them to be having this level of a fallout where they're just like, I guess the relationship's over, which as you pointed out, like, isn't how real life relationships work in the slightest. Um, and Ava gets a pass on that somewhat because she's also, a clone who hasn't really had a lot of relationships. We had a four-month hiatus. They did not because Mona is still in the hospital from her injury. So they've been gone for like three days. Oh, that's... that's We're working that makes, on True Blood Okay, time. so, yeah. Because that was the thing where I was legitimately like, okay, well, maybe that's why Ava's so weird because Hank's been like gaslighting over the cor- her over the course well, of four months. Well, definitely but, been gaslighting her, but in a shorter span of time. And we have... Yeah. But it does, and it, like, it does, it does just feel kind of, I don't know, like, I thought it was kind of stupid because at the start of the season, they were very much like, Ava and Sarah are going to be fine, we're not going to have them breaking up randomly and doing stupid shit, and they managed it for, like, nine episodes, but this is the CW, so I understand that, like, the dramatic breakup had to rear its ugly head, but it is still kind of... Should we get into shift discourse, or should we save that? I kind of want to talk about other parts of the episode first. We can save that, but basically, yeah, that whole the whole Sarah and Ava narrative this episode was weird. I think just in large part due to the hiatus, but also like I other mean, factors. I think that we, can we talk should about get later. back to it. I think, yeah, I think we should get back to it because I think we have to discuss some more stuff about like Hank and Nate and the demon that was John's boyfriend, or the demon that's wearing John's boyfriend. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, let's lay out some of the things. This episode, actually, if we want to talk about it, and like, and this is one of those things where like. We, I was listening to us discuss some of the points of three of, not the three, well, it's the third episode of the fourth season of Dog Save the Queen. Not going to bother remembering what the actual episode title was. Mine's better. Um, yeah, that's what it's called. I and it was. it's one of those things where, like, I think there were some things we were worried that we were going to get fucked on in 4A that we didn't get fucked on. And I'm I'm glad about that. But now we're coming in and, like, this was a really episode back to because it's very heavy it's very sad for a lot of people it's a weird episode it's very heavy it's really weird it felt like it's like this could have been this either should have been like this should have been the penultimate episode to last month the the first half of the season and the puppet episode and the puppet episode should have been the comeback thing because that was nonsensical but that was also like fun and weird and wacky. And so like you can, but like yeah, this is weird to come back to because this show is not very good at maintaining its steam or any kind of coherency. So yeah, it not only was it heavy. I hate to say this, but I'm also like I cared less because I was like, it's been four fucking months and you just dump all this. Sh- 
start laughing. Like, what the yeah, fuck am I supposed to do with this? Do you fucking know what you're going to do with it? Yeah, it's like they literally just sort of spilled everything out on the floor all at once. And I'm like, I know you're not all of them. And no, they're not. And, it, and the thing is, it's like, it's very, you know, when you want to do an Empire Strikes Back, don't um, don't start with it. It's just it, it, like, it, it, and I feel bad because, like, I know they're they're trying. It's not that it made it. I mean, I think I I think the emotion of the episode really hit and it landed and it was very well acted. Um, and I did enjoy this episode. I think the real issue is like that it's the episode we came back to, and that's why I'm a little like. Eh. But something that really and I got an ask about this. Yeah, something that I really bothered me yeah. is that everybody was being really nasty to Mona when we knew. Right, like Sari and Ray weren't, and that that was very nice. But like, Ava was being yeah. really uncharacteristically nasty to her, and like Sarah because yeah. Ava was upset being upset, and it was just, I think a lot the word I would use for this episode, and like, this is neither good nor bad because if that's the tone they were going for, and I think we um give room to narratives that are not always like happy sunshine. This was a very intentionally uncomfortable episode. And it was, it's the thing where it's like, this is not an episode that you should drop on viewers after months apart. Because, yes, it was, I think, part of the whole thing with Mona. Yeah, I was like watching this with Ava and the way she's treating Mona. And I'm like, hey, three episodes you, ago, you guys were like sharing a bottle of wine and like having a great time together and being like friends and like the friends that Ava needed and we talked about that and how much we liked it and then this episode she's like this lying liar who lies dangerous fugitive from justice evil lady and because and knowing now since you just told me because I didn't realize it until you said something that this is only supposed to be three days later that's also make it even more weird and like I wish I could say it was very well acted but there is something I think about the episode where if and I feel bad for but like I didn't really care. Like I knew there like it was that sort of thing where I knew a lot of bad stuff was happening this episode, but it all sort of was happening so all at once and awkwardly that it just kind of burnt out my ability to give a shit. And people felt so out of character in certain sequences, especially Ava, which is bad because she was the linchpin for a lot of the problems of this episode. Well, Okay, when I say problem, I don't mean that this is all Ava's fault. She's an evil bitch like, before people start that. I What I mean is, is like Ava was the catalyst to a lot of the big emotional issues of this episode and not in a way that felt justified or like we made sense for her character. Legends is at its best when it lets the characters drive the narrative and react to things based on who they are. What Ava's doing right now very much feels like in season two when nobody trusts him. You're like, this does not make sense, and that's not like no. I know you need this to happen then, because this is your bigger plot. But you need to walk like characters. Need to well, because it makes concern. Don't walk them. No, yeah, don't especially on a show like this one where it's and it's the sort of thing where I'm like worried since you brought up the Mick thing, which I'd conveniently repressed. Um, I'm really worried they're gonna have Ava like selling like the legends out to Hank somehow, and that what this is all supposed to be leading up to is that Ava's gonna betray them. She thinks she's doing the right thing. It's like, oh well, this is a twist, and it's like there's a couple of genres where a twist that makes you re-see the whole narrative in a different light work. I would argue that it's like horror 
and mystery. Those are the genres where if you have a twist that is well executed, like if you have that, you're like, oh shit. And then you can rewatch the work with, with that in mind and it creates an entirely new viewing experience. That's good. However, character-based narrative story slice of life with fantasy sci-fi comedy air quotes elements as the show kind of is not a lot of room for wacky twists or things like that without feeling really like cheap and out of nowhere and i would argue the only good way to do like a ride like a like a betrayal thing is to have a situation where we're introduced to this character after they've already done the betrayal like let's say hypothetical situation that like ava had like we got a new Ava somehow like a clone Ava who had never met Sarah who like I don't know stole our Ava and locked her in a closet and she he sold them out to Hank that Ray would be kind of different that would be fun I actually yes I mean or like, I don't know I feel like they're not gonna do that but that could be really interesting that could be fun or if we got the character who had already like if we met them before if we met them after they did the betrayal and is currently working with the consequences of their betrayal that's an interesting way to do that old friend betrayed you plot line or like when we meet we know that at the beginning of persona 5 which is not actually a super strong thing narratively but this is one thing that's kind of strong about it we know that um the protagonist is going to get sold out and then we meet a catchy and we're like oh okay there it is yeah and and there he is yeah, they and don't try to hide our traitor garbage boy there is nothing about akechi to suggest that he is not going to be a bastard and that's what's kind of fun about him yeah, is seeing no, him try don't... to convince everyone that he isn't yeah well i mean that and that's the thing is like and i don't want to get into person i mean i still want to do a persona 5 retrospective it's coming out on the switch now so that'll be fun but like yeah not to do too much time on this but yes the big thing with Akechi is that the only person who likes him trusts him or has any faith in him is Sakura and everyone else is just like That's he's gay. gonna sell us out he's like he's like uh, uh, Akira and this is clear he <laughs> but he daddy so I love clearly, him he looks like light Yagami what are you not getting <laughs> I know it's really and and that's and it works because like we know he's like there's no oh who's it gonna be thing like we know who it's gonna be and is it gonna uh, be you know Haru? the narrative already dropped <laughs> Ray Palmer I'm so sorry <laughs> like that's the thing is they do actually set up Haru as a red herring for all of like five minutes until you're like oh my god no like I love her um but that and just is this is a fluffy child but like legends is i don't i don't even know if they're trying to set up a someone will betray us plotline or like i don't i don't fucking know what they're doing i don't they don't know what they're doing like we were talking a few weeks ago about bill said in this he's like we actually couldn't decide who the villain was gonna be and so you can i was gonna bring that that up and i'm like here's the fucking like you can it's one of those things where, like, they need to pick their villain much earlier. And it's like, we know Ava's not going to be the main villain. She's just not. So I don't know if this was an episode, like, left over from when they were toying with the idea of making her Hank's patsy or, like, whatever the fuck. But it's really weird and inconsistent. And it's really I mean, getting to like, the point yes, where, like, Phil, I love the is, show, but it is starting to annoy me. This is This is definitely the first time I've noticed that you guys couldn't decide on something beforehand and and i don't i don't want to be that that guy because i know you guys have like three days per episode yeah but but maybe we could just play maybe we could write it down maybe we could get like one of we could act we maybe maybe uh, 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 phil anything 
anyone. And I don't, I, I know they mean well. I know they're trying. I got that television is hard to make. But at the same time, something as basic as who's going to be the bad guy this season. Like, we don't have to know. You can keep it in the dark from us and have it be a twist. But you should know. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and just I'm because sure when you like, open well, a what mystery. What do you guys know? What do you guys know? You've never written an episode of television. I'm like, that's true and fair. But like, I think I have I written so just... much at this point. I, I just like being have... an asshole. I don't need a reason. No. And like, and sometimes shows know who their villain is going in and they fucking suck. And sometimes shows know who their villain is and they do. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not a 100% guarantee that it's, no, it's not a one size fits all thing. But I just think sometimes legends, speaking of one size fits all, I think sometimes legends just needs to spend a little, like just tighten the fit a little bit. Just put the wrench to it and tighten it up. Yeah, just a, a bit. Teensy bit. Just, um, a, because... just a bit. Because it is, it is, hold on, because you say that, like, as a right, because I'm like, yeah, I should probably clarify, like, I don't plan my, like, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I have a basic idea going in, and one of the things I'm actually working on right now has spiraled out of control, and I'm doing themes and elements in it that I did not go into the story knowing this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the bad guy of this piece. This is how I'm going to handle this conflict. But I had an idea of what I wanted to do, and when the story started to change, I adapted my thinking with it. Legends does doesn't seem to know how to adapt its thinking which is bad because it Um, is such an impulsive show where you have to know how to adapt to that i will give them the point that phil has mentioned that like they wanted actually possibly to do a twist where like nate sort of tries to be more like his dad and is like a worse person and then they were like no that's stupid let's have hank be a better person and i'm like i'm really glad that you worked with your characters in that sense because had you done that to nate i probably would have never forgiven you in a million fucking years? No, never. That is my child? No, that would have and been that, unbearably dad, fucking cruel. And like, like, we get we like, get on them. They, they, and that's we get on them we wish like, to film it. Yeah. Like, in between, because I remember, and we've talked about this before on this podcast, where I'm like, yeah, sometimes you can get a little wish fulfillment-y that, like, Nate's going to fix his dad and he's not going to be a narcissist bastard anymore. And we can get frustrated with that. But I would absolutely 100% always rather have that than the alternative, which is inaccurate and cynical. Uh, You know, if your parents mean to you and bad to you and abusive to you, you're going to be just as bad as them. Like, fuck, I'm sorry I ever complained. You can have the first thing. Holy shit. I mean, nice. and, that's, and that's the thing. Jesus. is that, like, Honestly, Legends sort of gets to do this sort of wish fulfillment thing because they're the only people who are doing unique things with bad parents and children of bad parents. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, okay, let's give them some room on this because... I sometimes am genuinely, like, interested to see. And, like, that is a huge point in their favor. I'm genuinely interested to see where Nate and Hank are going to go. Because, like, Hank Haywood is, like, written very accurately, like, like, to a point of how a narcissistic parent, like, is. And so one of the really strong things Legends has done, and I hope that they keep doing it, And this is why I feel so strongly and like so sort of desperately for Ava is that like usually when you have a bad parent who is like an abusive parent, a narcissistic parent. Well, you get out from underneath. um, That parent usually makes you look like the bad guy and the problem child. Always. That's how they keep giving you problems. But the legends have never once sort of doubted Nate or his issues. And, like, Nate is actually the one who's like, this is my dad, we have to do this to Zari. And she, like, fully yeah. believes him, and she knows his dad's, like, a like bad news, but she's letting him 
lead the story. And so everybody is Make really letting Nate control the narrative with his own dad, which is sort of very nice of them. But then sometimes I'm also like, hey, let's just get Mick in here and fling Hank into the sun. And yeah. that's not to say, and like, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, as, no, and this is the thing. Sure. Villains should make us feel this way. And I'm glad yeah. that Hank makes me feel this way because he's making me feel this way in a way that does not make the entire team turn on Nate. Inexplicably. Yes. Yeah. No, there's no, that's the thing is like, as much as I feel awful for Ava, I want her to realize she's been duped and I know the team will forgive her because they're good about doing stuff like that. That, the fact that Nate isn't being like, it would be more painful than I think I could bear watching again on another goddamn show. If like Hank was gaslighting Nate and then the team turned around and gaslit him for the sake of drama. Like if Nate, if Nate's cause Nate's dad literally says almost word for word, like, Oh, that didn't happen. You didn't see what you, he says, what you, you didn't see what you think you saw. Like you, He's and so like if the and then like but the, the the knowledge is that the team is going to knows that something is up and is going to help Nate yeah, follow the through knowledge on is it. That Zari is whereas the knowledge is Nate has backup and that's what's really I think kind of and like if we want to sort of contrast Nate and Ava again here is that like Nate has the team backing him up doing you know sometimes we screw things up for the better doing the wrong thing to get to the right thing and trusting yes. their instinct and, and Ava doesn't really Mona. have that. And Ava, and the thing is, Ava has access to that. She could believe them. She could work with them. And I know that there is something that is keeping her from that. And that's what hurts. Because I think we, and one of the things is like, as she and, after she and Sarah did their, the the tango Maureen, I'm just going to say it like it is. Um, the neuron was looking like right at them. So like clearly something is going on, but there's a specific line yeah. that Ava says, which is like, I've given you all I have to give where I'm like, someone yes, that was is really been, fucking sad. Someone's been telling you you're not good enough and that you don't deserve this. So you should stop trying like that. I, I can, I can just taste yeah. it. And like, that's... you can tell that like Ava feels used not by Sarah, but just in general. She feels completely ineffective and, and yeah, useless. That line was and, really sad. and like, and that's the thing is like, as Ava is talking about like magical fugitives and stuff, like we have to take a two pronged, and this this is some complex thinking. So new one. That's that's a segment we're going to start doing, but don't expect it often because this is um, D- Detective Comics no. Comics Legends of Tomorrow. Because we are dumbasses also. <laughs> and and I said that, well, I said one time just in front of my boss, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm a dumbass. And she was like, don't say that about yourself. And I was like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. Say whatever I want. God. God. Um, how dare you encourage me? Don't fucking patron. I'll identify fucking however I want. Me again. Um, the, <laughs> God. Um, the thing is, Fuck, now I, I was so funny, I forgot. Right, complex thinking. In today, Ava is not like a human human. She's a clone. So her talking about no. magical creatures and doing what's best for humanity comes from a place of wanting to assimilate with humans as best she can and not really understanding her place. Yeah, to be a good, however, to be a good robot, ro- robo-clone droid. Ava is played and is, for all intents and purposes, a white woman, and this is, for all intents and purposes, a narrative about immigration and refugees. And I think Legends is... Now is not the time! 
I think Legends is kind of trying to excuse itself from that. I don't think they're trying to make um, a statement with it. But the issue with that is, in this political environment, not Doesn't making matter. a statement makes a statement. You yes. don't get to choose whether or not you don't get to decide this means whether something or not bigger. Your work says them. And right yes. now, Ava's like intent is not is very uncomfortable coming from a white woman, and that's one of those things where, like, it can be. And I understand for some viewers that it might be hard to separate like a white woman from that narrative, and I think that's a big disservice to the show and to the character. Yeah. Because, like, it is, it's also, I just, you could even, I could even argue that Ava could have, like, she could be like, we're just supposed to deal with time. I feel overworked and overburdened and out of my element dealing with these magical creatures that don't necessarily have anything to do with temporal anomalies. Like, magic isn't time travel. And, like, that would be, we would still have the unfortunate implications whether or not they realized it, but, like, I think it would... If they portrayed her less as resentful and more as overwhelmed and stressed, it might not be so uncomfortable. But because this was a very uncomfortable episode, yeah, there is something where I was like, oh, God, I, do, do they know what they're doing? And like, I, think, the, I think they're aware that yeah, they're, intense, they might like, be aware that it could be perceived that way. Like they're doing everything they can to make this as removed from reality as possible because, yeah, we find ourselves in a nightmare hell timeline where we're just sort of throwing kids in cages and losing them for no fucking reason um and this is not the show i want in any way shape or form approaching the soul numbing fucking nightmare of that reality yeah hey listen we don't want you to ever forget that our government is killing trans people and putting people in cages at the border and that this is a huge and uh fucking human rights violation and they're really hoping we're all going to forget about it if it goes on for long enough we should all be paying attention but every day to pay be. attention to this and listen to um, immigrants and fight um, ICE wherever you can. Um, just wanted to put that in there, even though I know we're talking about uh, DC's yeah, Legends no, of Tomorrow. Sure. Don't ever forget that. But it feels important. And it's important for us as, like, two human beings who run a podcast to say that. But I don't want to show addressing it because that's a much messier situation. And it's just like, you guys wrote yourselves into this fucking corner. You didn't have to do this. And this is a thing. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no reason that this had to happen. Immigration is an issue that, like, the cast, like, Nick Zana wore a shirt that said, keep families together at, like, San Diego Comic-Con. It's something. And, like, Tala is a very active, um, she's very active for immigration rights. And, like, something a lot of people on the cast are aware of and have spoken out about. But that's not coming across in the show if that's what they're trying to do. And if that's what they're trying to do and it's not coming across so that they we think it's be. accidental, no. I don't think, like, I don't think, I don't, like, and the thing is, like, because I'm, as on one level, I'm relieved that they haven't made a thing of it because, oh, God. But on another level, it's so sidestepped around that it's like, either like shit or get off the pot like if you're gonna do this fucking do it and i don't think you should so you should find some way to stop this because you're not do it well but you can't you can't not fuck it up by just sort of talking around it and the other thing is that like and there are other places where we fumbled this like 
first i just want to make the point that ava's like you guys were killing like sending these creatures to hell and now all of a sudden and i'm like no they sent an evil unicorn and they sent the fairy godmother the fairy godmother essentially chose hell because she was like she told john constantine to shove it which is like god yeah. god you're a badass but like she was a she was a, a c-u-n-t so like yeah i feel like she's probably yeah. the baddest bitch in hell right now like whatever but they only did yeah, that she hung to, out like, with Mick. Best timeline. In two very low stakes and also, areas. So it's not a fair comparison because but then the issue arises that in the mid season finale, they're like, without Charlie, they would just be killing these guys left and right. And if you're gonna try to make a larger narrative out of it, I completely forgot that that, that was the one whole through. Fucking... Just a tad. Yeah, and they didn't. And I'm like, this has been this has been going on long enough that, like, you guys, like, this isn't, it's horrible that it has been going on long enough that this show and this season could have really avoided all this and seen what was coming and been like, hey, we're not going to do that in light of recent world events. But, like, oh, God, Legends. And, and also, this was, yeah, a, just this was like, also it's, it's, a Mexico-centric episode where you're like, you yeah, that was. Which was Help. also weird because, like, I wanted, I, I wanted, like, to only have maybe 15 minutes of, like, Lucha Libre in a fucking episode is criminal. Like, that deserves a whole 45 minutes of your fucking time. And the fact that we only got, like, 15, like, they did, like, their El Santo knockoff was, like, like, they didn't, I'm like, I would have watched a whole episode of this. If you guys just wanted to do Rocky in Mexico, fine. I would have fucking loved that because then you could have also had something about like there's this whole really rich mythos surrounding like uh, like luchadores and like wrestling in general and like there's all these narratives and plot lines and it's all crazy and very superhero comic-y. Ari and is talking El very Santa fast to illustrate the fact that they did not touch on any of this. No, they didn't. I have a lot to Dante Gray as a kid. Um, I definitely, you know, this is something I've always just been kind of fascinated by because wrestling is really intense and dramatic and like that's cool. Um should have a union and i also think luchadora should have a union and american wrestling and mexican wrestling are two very different things but overall that was like such a cool concept and they just kept walking away from it and i think there was a part of me like the seven-year-old and he was like no no go back to the fighting i want to go back to the wrestling ring like i didn't give a shit about like all the dumb emotional bullshit going on like if you're gonna have wrestling like you just have to have a wrestling episode and i really wanted one and i didn't get one and it was just like it did i thought they were doing a doll episode and we didn't get dolls and then that was also five minutes. But there is something in the same episode that you're having thinly veiled immigration metaphors to keep cutting away from, like, an important cultural touchstone in Mexico. I don't think it was actively. Uh, it's not my place to say that it, whether or not it was racist on purpose, um, because it doesn't matter if it was for one thing. And for two, it does like it just feels like a really weird choice to have in an episode that also had some awkward moments regarding, like, immigration metaphors where it's like, oh, God. Could we have please done this B plot in another episode, any other episode? Holy shit. Like, it just, and it, it felt like it was, to, and also not even just because it was something that deserved its own episode, but because the Luchadori scenes kept happening and taking us away from the emotional moments, like, in ways that didn't make sense, where it's like, if you wanted a heavy episode, it should have been a full. Yeah, because, like, everybody, like, Ray the and home. Charlie and John. And Mick and Mona, like, they're off having, like, once everybody decides they're on Mona's side, they're off having, like, a, like a really fun time. 
And all of that is really like lighthearted and fun and enjoyable. And then it just keeps cutting back and to like, just... Nate's never been loved by his dad. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah, and it was weird. Cut away. Cut away. Yeah. I don't want to see Nick's scene Yeah, like and so this. it made me not want to watch the emotional scenes. Can't, like, you can't put luchadores in my face and then go confront the ghosts of your parents' neglect. And I'm like, I don't fucking want to. I want to Fuck go back you. to the wrestling. Fuck you, Phil. Fuck you, Phil. And yeah, I'm saying that. And I'm like, right, that I think hits on a big part of why I didn't really get, like, feel connected to this episode because I was actively trying not to be because it was like, I'm trying to enjoy something and then you keep spitting in my face. And it's like, you you had to pick one. Like, you have to, if you wanted to do the whole charity gala thing, it should have been, like, the B-plot should have been something different. Like, I don't know, maybe the whole team's way too fast. And I also think that's all the legends going to a gala at one time, like, one, Nate deserves to have all of his friends go to something that has been held for him just to, like, sort of show up his dad and everybody in the area. Yeah. And two, like, a gala can be an entire episode. And a good one. Yeah. But also, I would even argue, like, yeah, because you do need a B-plot, it's TV. But a good B-plot to have done this episode, hypothetically speaking, is the gala is still the A-plot. All the emotional stuff is the A-plot um, in like, comparison. the thing about but Mona and the If you're going to do a luchador episode, do the let's whole fucking going, thing. Let's start going yeah, into Mona and the Cope. Because, because Mona and the Cope will lead us, I guess, into shift discourse or whatever. I don't know. There's so much. Everything really? happens oh so fucking Oh, my God, much. I don't care. Here's the thing. That was Here's weird. I mean, I knew they were doing something because, like, they it clearly were doing the Beauty enough, and the Beast thing. It was sad enough that she had to send him back. That, I think, would have been impactful enough. I think it was yeah. kind of a... I mean, here's the thing. is They, like, killed him, and I was like, well, this is not a homosexual relationship, so I'm going to call it progress. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm also going to argue like, that I get... I, I, mean, like, I think it just, like, it... I mean, does he have it to It did feel a little half-assed because it... On? It feels like because like she kind of deserves yes, a better I come guess. to Jesus, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I will also say I think it also felt weird because there was that big emphasis just before they left that Mick gave her that was like Buck and Garima couldn't make it work, even though they wanted to, and had they had the choice to stay together, they could have totally done it's like with like Will and Lyra or Amalthea and Lear when I haven't referenced the last unicorn in a while. We're back, yeah, baby. No, we're but back. no, seriously, we're like Amalthea could have stayed with him. He could have she could have stayed with him and she chose not to and she didn't die. Like the Red Bull didn't kill her. It would have been a very different story if she'd just been killed I mean, by the Red Bull and, and like and, Prince Lear couldn't be with yeah. her. And that was this. Where I'm and like, no, the real tragedy is that Mona had to leave and the Cope was still alive and fine and she, she could have she gone couldn't. back but she can't, not really. And that's the that's thing. And the other poignant. thing is like when that's Mick sad. says this about himself and Garima, it's also very clearly him talking about the team. Like, yes, he literally had to put Garima back in the book. And if you don't want to give Mick any depth, sure, fucking whatever, live under a rock. I don't give a shit. But he was yeah. also very clearly talking about the team and Amaya and himself and Amaya and Nate and Amaya. And given that this is an episode where Zari and Nate sort of start coming together, and you and like you can kind of feel Amaya looming in the background of that, like it's supposed to have yeah, because like, they both loved her so much. Amaya could have chosen, like, could have stayed with us, and she couldn't. And then, yeah. but like Amaya did she not die at the last minute. That would have ruined no. the entire thing. And the thing is, 
we didn't really have a lot of emotional connection to the copay. They kind of always made sure that he like no. didn't really speak really properly or like wasn't like very human. Like he was human enough. Oh, well, I can. For I, Mona to fuck, I would argue that but... you can make a non-human. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. You're the you're the expert monster fucker. I'm. Just you, I would argue. No, it's okay. Thank you. But I would argue, just personally, for, like I think in my case, I can empathize with something that isn't human, doesn't look human, doesn't behave in a human manner. If it still manages to pull some sort of emotional heartstrings, like you, you can make up a sad story about anything, and I'll feel really bad about it. Like I feel, I pick up earthworms off the ground and put them back in the dirt. I'm not. I'm pretty easy to move emotionally. I think. But the cope didn't look monstrous he just looked kind of awful like they just like but they just not a lot it would have been better just putting just don't think they took it he, he just looked seriously, bad and then they killed him and were like you take it seriously and you can't and i was like no i mean what i take seriously no i really don't impact that this has on mona and that you guys essentially um have stolen her like innocence and that her becoming a yeah I guess is sort of the losing your virginity metaphor that they were going for. Oh, God. that's me in the corner. Yeah, that's I mean, me in I the guess spotlight but... losing my religion, et cetera, et cetera. I I'm like say losing my virginity because that would have been really funny. But no, yeah, like I also really don't want bad read... things to happen to Mona. So there's a there's I mean, a part of I me think... that's just like ah oh, fuck. I mean, I think something that could be really cool is for them to be like, hey, Nora had Mona when she felt really monstrous and unlovable and Mona was like, you're amazing. The fact that you're a witch is so cool. So like now maybe Nora can return the favor. But then I'm like, that yes. would require the show to remember that, would make me that so Mona sad. and Nora hung out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and I hope so... they do. Cause that was really good. And I also I mean, want them to remember the fact... Nora and Ava hung out because if anyone is going to say to Ava, this is stupid. Like, this I is know big it's a totally stupid. different tack. It's totally different tack, and I'm sorry, but it does because I, I remember because I wanted to bring it up, and then I forgot in the middle of our conversation about the whole weird thing with Ava. But yeah, Nora needs to be the one to say to Ava, "You're in a cult. Call your call girlfriend because you don't have a dad." Like, oh wait, no, wait, Nora can't call her dad if she's in her a cult because her dad found at the cult. You're in a cult. Yeah. Call Ray. Call Ray. I mean, really, yeah. At every point, at this point, all the legends should have Ray on speed dial, but. Ray was I so do good to Nora. I just think love how Ray. Yes, you go first. You no, go it's first okay. But like, I do think I just I think the whole thing is okay. But like the Cope, like it was. I just I think a lot of problems could have been avoided if you'd just given him like a set of fucking like cat ears and been like he's a wolf because like this fucking show I'd be like all right whatever he's a cat boy but like the, oh, the, it, oh my you god I just he, literally lost a part of my body. I'm Why sorry, but like that? with this, like it I haven't heard been the word better. cat boy. I haven't heard the words cat boy in so long. I wanted to forget. Huh? Um. What do you see it? I'm like so every sorry. Time? Uh, we we live here now. I'm I see. I'm so t- proud. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta do. I gotta do a tangent for a second. So I went to the, the. There's this big library that was just a little too far out of the way that I could never get anyone to take me there before I had my license. And so I went there, and they had a. Re- they used to have license. a really big manga section. Yes. Um, so I went there. I'm really happy about it. But like, anyway, um, so I went there and the manga section has severely downsized. Shame, because I went there so I could get like their copies of Blackjack, but they didn't have them anymore. But there was something so, I cannot, like, it was a kind of insanity where I'm just standing 
there and I'm looking at these 80 volumes of Naruto that have all been bleached by the sun, by the way, because they were like right in front of an open window. So all of these God. manga volumes, their covers Naruto's are destroyed. They're like had that another 80... son that died. <laughs> but like, but, but they look like, you know, those pictures in hair salons of ladies with perms that have all been bleached out from the sun. Like that's all of the manga looked like that. And I'm just standing there and I'm staring at them. And Life I cannot is bigger than just, you like, and you are not me. The lengths that I will go it, to. It's... <laughs> it literally felt like I was, I, you know, we say going feral sometimes as a joke, but it really did truly feel like I was a feral creature in that moment. I don't. I was so upset and I didn't know how to describe it. And there were like four teens like just sitting nearby and I really hope they weren't there to read the manga. But I was just like, I was like, can you guys please? I'm I'm literally rotting inside and I don't know what to do with my body or my face. Okay. So mean, give me. Let's, let's do some levity. And that's what saying Catboy feels like. Yes, thank you. That is the exact so, emotion. Bring that back. I just, and also I just, because uh... I went downstairs and they had Loveless. They had Loveless, which is about Catboys, but also Yaoi, kind of, sort of. And I never read it, and I'm very proud that I never read Loveless because it was dumb. Anyway, continue. I I just want to, I, I mean, like, because Ray is immediately, like, because I, I was gifting Mona last week for my countdown that I was doing on my vlog. And then I was like, literally, when Ray turns around, he's like, were you eavesdropping? And Mona's like, oh, yeah. But she's, like, happy about it, so Ray is immediately happy about it. And then when yeah. they chase her down, Ray is like, don't worry, I'm here. Like, don't worry, best friend. I've got your back. And she's like, thanks, best friend. And it's just, like... Like, he, they're like, so When she starts good. yelling about... She starts yelling about the X-Files and how she's Mulder, and he says, calm down, Fox. Oh, God, like, so like he's just ready to be Scully. Like, he was ready. Like, he's so excited. He's like, he really Scully, loved... But he was... Now, the thing about Mick and Mona is, yes, people are like, did Mick, did Mick actually try to shoot a child? And the answer to that is whenever Mick sees a woman in his early 20s now, his fight or flight response gets activated because he did not want it to happen <laughs> so a second fresh. time. And it did. Yeah. And no. it happened immediately. Well, because, like, like, there was that, you know, that moment where, like, Mo like he, want, on he wants to be seen not as a monster. But a king and a good man, and she's making direct eye contact with Mick, and Mick is just like, "Can anyone glass me? Can someone just hey, kill me, hey, please?" Don't look at me. Do not look at me when you talk to me about what you find fuckable, and the fact that she thinks <laughs> I really like, will. I actually do want to make the point that Mick apparently like writes romance novels that are like feature a male protagonist that, according to Mona, is like really sweet and thoughtful. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Like, apparently Buck throws a fight so that Garima will be happy and, like, outthinks it. And I'm like, I think it's really interesting that, like, Mick is writing. It's sort of a self-insert, but he's also writing. It's like, I hate to... No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say it. Fuck you, Joanne. No, say Mick it. Is... No, I will not reference Harry Potter. I won't do it. No, it's fine. Because okay, I don't you know, know what how... you mean. Well, what I mean is, like, you get sorted into the house... With the traits that you admire, not not yes. what you are, yes. but what and what Mick admires are, like I know he gives like Ray a hard time all the time, and he gives Nate a hard time all the time, but he actually really admires them and how but thoughtful yeah. they are and how caring they are, and like, I think that's really sweet. And I'm soft. And Mick I is not, not someone. Yeah, and the Mick is not someone I would think. I mean, the thing about him realizing that she reads his books is not that he's like, oh, she's a fan. I should be nice to her. He's like, this is a kid. 
who's naive. This and is has, a child who's read my porn. And this is he's a kid upset. who has a very romantic outlook and who sort of thinks that what happened in like what happens in the novels is what real life should be like. Like she's it's more like he wants to protect how naive she is, which is really sweet. Yeah. And also that's hilarious because it's Mona so is just always so horny. And and uh huh. I'm and like, Nick, you're somebody, not writing Nick read. Sparks. These are smart. I mean, like he is. This is I'm smart, like, Mick, my dude. Mick, I mean, just just the sheer, just the sheer, fucking whatever we're putting, Dominic Purcell for the also, Ardent. Also, just want to mention also yeah. John Constantine, totally down to fuck a werewolf. I just oh, hundred percent did not flinch. I truly cannot. I truly cannot like he was like he's a gentleman and I was like could you fucking shut up yeah John and Charlie I mean and this is the thing you... is like if we want to talk about legend shifts now that we're here and we're talking about Mick and his Mick and and all the women in their early 20s who love him and how tired that makes him every time I just <laughs> I oh good Michael how old is me... this one seven poor... oh good he's 17 the yeah like literally that is me is that everybody loves each other. Like, yes, I have ships that I prefer over the other. Yeah. I think that's just human nature. Yeah. And, but, and like, yeah. sometimes I have ships that are like OT3s that I prefer over like two, like those two people. I'm like, no, I prefer this with a third part, like this specific third person. In this instance, it's yeah. Charlie, Nate, and Zari. But like, I don't, and like, people are like, oh, well, it's kind of out of left field for Nate to fall, like, Nate and Zari to do a thing. But, as as it was pointed they out, both like love Amaya so much. It's one, fine. they both love Amaya so much. Two, they're both giant nerds. Three, you know, like whatever, they're both hot. I'm by. Yeah. Four, I'm still gonna ship yeah. like everything, and I'm gonna still ship Zarly very yeah. hard. And like, I don't understand why I wouldn't. Um, five. I do. I do. And this is not to sound like. Oh, sorry. Wait, I just want to mention also, Nick Zano didn't really film a ton in four A because he had a baby. So there might have yeah. been stuff that was supposed to have. I would posit that maybe he was actually supposed to be with Charlie. Because they felt like oh they God, were setting that up time. in 406. I don't know if we won't end up with a triangle. Like, I would love a true triangle where all three of them are sort of have feelings for the other two. That would be my dream. Yeah, that would be fun. That, I mean, that yes. to me is what's... And that's the thing. It's like, I can sit here and say, like, that to me is what ha what's happening. And I can choose to interpret the show that way and enjoy it in that context. And nobody's going to fucking stop me. Like, Yeah, I don't, say not what to sound like I'm a thousand years old, but I don't get this... Mo and it is a more modern mentality, although I, I... You know, it existed back in ye oldie fandom days, too, I'm sure. Where, like, everybody's like, if it's not endgame, then it didn't count. But I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like, if I, I just really like how the characters interact, I don't care. I understand that, I just don't that, more, that I understand that, like, you know, Legends does have representation, and it's always nice to have more representation. And Gary, because Adam oh yeah, that's is, a whole other kettle of fish. Is an Arab is um an Arab Jewish person. Every every other LGBT character on Legends has been white, and Maisie is an entire yeah. gay woman. And I think, you know, when she says, like, yes, I want Zarly to happen, and Tala also says that because she's supporting her friend and I think genuinely enjoys the interactions they have, you know, that I yeah. think I think wanting that for Maisie is also fair. And I think, you know, yeah, it would be nice to see your yeah. kiss on screen or be canon. Um, 
And I also understand that like a lot of people, and I think it was public enough knowledge that a lot of people had canon Zarya as a lesbian. I have like I really like Zarya and Nate. I think they're gonna be really cute. I but I'm not also but I'm not gonna be like and I'm not gonna it, uh, go well, around to my friends like, who feel a certain way about her and like stomp their dreams into you, the ground. It's also the sort of thing where it's like if you had canon or as a lesbian, like even if she's been with guys in the canon, I don't really care if you're like, well, that's what I like to see her as, and for the purposes of my fix, I would write her as such because that's just how I identify with her. Because that's what I do with trans stuff. So like if somebody said to me, like, oh well you can't because there's never been canon evidence that they're trans and there's like indications yeah. at some point that they might have a pair of cis genitals, like who gives a fuck? Like, and like, so that's the sort of thing where I'm like, I get that it means, trust me, I get that it means a lot to have on-screen representation. But on another level, I am also like, it doesn't make their emotional, like, it doesn't make what you saw or you felt or you thought was like a thing exactly in the, the subtext point. or the text text. Like, it you doesn't make that a, less real or valid. You as an LGBT person, fan. and especially I'm talking to all my sapphics out there. We're talking to you guys, sapphics to sapphics. Um, if you, like, if, like, Zarly and when Zari had feelings for Amaya, and even, like, shipping Kendra and Sarah together, that means something to me as a sapphic. And, like, sometimes it feels like to have a femslash ship, people want, like, a goddamn essay. And, no, you are entitled as a sapphic to feel however you would like about female characters and female relationships. I mean, and that's the thing is, like, one of the things is that you and I have always said, like, Nate is a super, is a character that reads super trans. And so, like, sometimes when I'm like, oh, yeah. Zari, I see, like, oh, well, Zari wouldn't end up with him or he's just a white dude. I have to sort of check myself and be like, well, that's our reading of him and we're entitled to that. But that's never been what the show, I mean, yes, like, what we interpret. The I can also like, understand why somebody else might not make it their Yes. Yes. I can understand why someone wouldn't make it their top priority, but it does also feel kind of weird to me. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm in the wrong for feeling weirded out by it because it, it, it's not objective fact like that. Like it's not a right or wrong scenario. Yeah. No. And I think this is the comfort of being someone who does a lot of fan content where I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like in my corner with my toys. Like you don't, I don't want to socialize. I don't want to, I don't, I don't care about what the canon, like I'm, I'm fine. I really it's okay and that's how i feel about this stuff and that's just you know like my my personal viewing of the show and the way that i interpret its characters can in a lot of ways be very barely if at all affected by the actual canon and continuity um and that's not a bad thing that's the nature of transformative work uh can't wait to be yeah, a hugo if award anything, winning if anything phil should be flattered if anything phil should be flattered yeah um and no I the fact say, that i like, took an interest in this one... show Number one, fucking John and Charlie have, like, incredible fucking chemistry. It They are like fire yeah. and gasoline. They are so fucking dangerous together. But I'm like, they are this, so is, this is what bisexuality looks like. They are the two, they are literally yeah. the two deities of bisexuality. That photo you got, and, shit, and like, right in the background smiling. It's like, this is the chaotic good bisexuality versus, like, the lawful good bisexuality. And I, I love it. I swear to God, like. First of all, they gay bullied. When people say gay bullying, this is exactly what they mean. Ray Palmer. Yeah. First of all, the fact that he got a petition, Charlie signs it's it, rock so on. Cute. I know Mick signs it, go fuck yourself, so haircut. Enraged. 
the, I know Mitch like, signed it, go fuck yourself haircut, but the fact that, and I will, I will speak for Ray, because I know this is how Ray feels, the fact that Mick even bothered to write it out means he cares. But, and putting in the name, the nickname, made it very clear that Mick was having a go at him, and it was cute. Mick thinks he's funny. Mick thinks he's yeah, being Mick, funny. Mick thinks so, he's hilarious. All, they need, they, I, I want to be the Legends writer who is like, we need Ray to come into this scene in a really funny way. What if Brandon just jumps into it? Because Brandon yeah, Routh just is about fucking seven full feet. Leaps, like, Brandon fucking Routh is ten feet tall. And he is like the <laughs> sweetest person in the entire world, I swear to God. But if Brandon Routh jumped out at any given moment in my I would, I would die from the I would die from fright. Yeah. I would just No, I would do dead. the little rabbit heart thing. Like I'm out. I, I like a small rodent. My heart would just stop because I am so frightened. He is too big. And also, He's that way too big. is made out of cardboard and chewing gum. <laughs> like, no, what the fuck are you going to do? Move carefully. Like, what are you going to do if he jumps and then he slips and falls down? What are you going to do when he He's takes gonna do, the You know that him? fucking vine where they were, like, trying to jump over the garbage can and they jump through, like, clean through the floor? Like, yes. that is Brandon slash Ray. And I'm just He's like... Gonna put his foot through the floor of this fucking set, and then where are you all going to be? I mean, and then they're going to make him act from that hole he made in the... I was about to say so that he can that be on everyone's level. That's his elf hole now, and he must live there forever. Oh God! People almost—the actors almost—like they had near-death experiences more than once around that um, fucking trap door for elf, which I is talk about I love it. Here's the thing: is like one Tala is an amazing actress, but like Nick Zano this season especially has really been showing the fact that he is not just incredibly handsome he's also a very talented actor and to that i want to say how fucking dare you pick one and like literally excuse me and excuse me tim this has nothing to do with you don't look at me like that when when nate's mom says to zari you you your your body is great for bearing grandchildren like first of all phil don't literally jokes for us don't literally write the joke for me. I was gonna make that joke, and then they did it, and I hate it. Stop stealing my stuff. Second, I, I was very much charmed by by Zari sort of being, like, bratty towards Nate, and the two of them just sort of being nerdy together. I thought that was yeah. adorable. Two, three, I, that was two. Yeah. Three, the fucking face that Nate makes after Dot makes that, like, oh my god, that was not... Oh, that good. Was not, and like, That's I not acting. I say this as someone who has an embarrassing mother who happens to have some Italian American heritage. Um, I, I, I no, don't I like. Felt I felt for him. I, 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 my, my shame must be kept secret. No one can know. Um, yeah. That that is a face of someone who has experienced this exact. That was not acting. That was yeah. like Santa re-traumatizing. No, I'm like, I'm like, oh, did your grandmother tell your wife that when they met? Like, oh god. Tell you something. We like read it, the fucking it does Channing really, Tatum. It's... We read the Channing Tatum oh, interview Zano article, and number one, the two of them are really funny, hype. and I hate them both. And number and yeah, I just no, I I cannot stand the fact Nick Santo's grandmother. The way he talks is about ready. his grandmother makes me want to end it. Nick Sano's grandmother is ready to kill and or die for him at any given moment. And, like, as an Italian American Well, like, yeah, man, I get it. I just want to mention also that Dot also hit on Mick for Nate. She's like, my boy is so beautiful and fragile that he needs me to do all the flirting for him. Zari, 
You got great tits. Yeah. No, she's like, and don't she, write like, in on that. Mick's arm. God's she's speed. like, oh my God, Mick, you're so strong and handsome. Someone so good. is going to, someone is going to get her a grandchild. She doesn't, she does not. And I was actually, okay, sort of last sad turn before we sort of wrap it up. But I was actually thinking about how, like, Amaya never met Nate's parents. And, like, if we're talking about sort of naive first love, like what Mona had with the Cope, um, Amaya is very much that for Nate. Like, and also possibly for Zari, like, based on how Tala sort of has acted it and how she's spoken about it in, like, panels and stuff. Like, Amaya was this very beautiful, she's, she's the unicorn. Yeah. She's this first she's love perfect. that can't last because, you know, she's too perfect. And it's one of those yeah. things where, like, I know that Amaya didn't meet Nate's parents because they hadn't been invented yet. But it's also one of those things where, like, I know, like, Nate is so clearly ashamed of his dad that it almost makes sense for him to bring Zari because Zari is kind of like his buddy right now. Yeah. She's someone who, he just like, he, like he it doesn't even necessarily need to he just needs a friend and it's okay if that grows into a romance but yeah right now this very much felt like we loved her the most and we're both still clearly not okay about this so we're gonna be together in, well, in after in the aftermath and that's both, not a bad angle for a romance honestly the fact that they both took out a decent amount of anger on Charlie tells me that they're mad at Amaya and don't want to admit it. And I'm really hoping, like, I I know they're going to get together, and I think it's going to be very cute, but I'm like, you will be doing, especially because Tala and Mick are, like, Nick, are so talented and have really brought so much to this show. And, like, Maisie has as well, especially as Amaya, especially as Charlie, that, like, sort of not fully exploring the impact Amaya has on this relationship would be a huge disservice. Sorry, I'm watching yeah, Richard no. be a fucking idiot. No, it's fine. I mean, I think He's I think long. we've pretty much it, it's been like an hour. I think I think we've said everything good. Yeah, I mean, okay. So next week is the the road trip episode where they all have to tell the truth, and they've got they they're gonna drown Nixon at Disney World. Yay! Um, yeet! Gonna be so, so silly. Also, I'm so and also and also, um, Mick and Mona are sitting next to each other in an RV. And I absolutely have have nothing to compare that to. I I wasn't thinking about no, anything. Hate it. Can't believe nobody can prove anything. The worst. I love Jesus Christ, whoever that may be. Yeah. No. Um, I. I'm. What are you wearing? Full armor of God. <laughs> like just, oh. <laughs> fucking fucking Mick. Whenever Mona speaks to him, honestly. <laughs> I also I think, hate it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get to see, I think, Hank and the demon, Neron, Nihulif, Something's Prisati, clearly happening, but... Are going to try to probably get Nora on their side, and it's kind of like... Y'all know she just left one bad relationship with an evil dad and a demon. I don't think she's super eager to do it a second no, time. she's so fucking tired. Please please let her oh, rest. The, um, the, le- the cards against humanity that they did... The artists, oh I mean, they gave full, like, they know, like, they actually have bought, like, all the prints that that artist did and have them hung up in order in, like, the writer's room, which is really cute because I'm like, <laughs> yes, pay this artist, continue to pay this artist. I don't care if all the budget goes to this artist, pay them. Um, I think 
I mean, I don't, I don't know what the royalties for that art would be because I think the person who created it absolutely deserves to see financial gain from um, Cards to Save the Timeline if it was distributed. Because you can yeah. sort of do a homebrew and that's legal. And I would love to see Legends do a homebrew of that. But I, I cannot end this podcast without saying the artist's name correctly. That would be fucking inhumane. So let me get it because it's on Twitter. No, no, I get you. So the artist Go is Eli Hasiaka, um on Twitter. That is okay. And on Instagram, her Instagram, I think, is where she posted all the art originally. E-L-L-E-H-H-A-E-S-S-I-A-K-A-H. That's who did the cards to save the timeline art, if you didn't know. Um, the Legends writers all absolutely adore her, and for good reason. Her art is brilliant, and she does a really great job. And so if they were to ever sort of do a print version of Cards to Save the Timeline, it would have to, like, there would be no reason for her not to see royalties from it. That would just be unfair. Yeah. No, they they need to pay her if they do something like that, for sure. Um... Oh, I'm looking at her art, and I just the Amaya one and the Zari ones that she did are so cute. Aw. Listen, I'm always, whenever there's, like, a talented, like, content creator or, like, an artist doing stuff for the fandom, I'm always like, oh, God, are you, like, how did you end up here? Are you, are you lost, Hassan? Do you want a card? Also, I just want to mention that like, the Like, I love it. The two cards we saw, Red, piloting the Wave Rider while high on hallucinogens, and something about getting John Noble coffee. And I want Phil to know I'm going to kill him in real life for this. Do you feel good? I get it. Do you feel, show was us- he at, I feel like, was he at Dragon Con last year? And we said, yes. no, we're not going to, we're not going to, okay. Yes. Yeah, no. We get it. I was this like, no, I can't stupid. do it. I just, I, yeah. Yeah. This show is so dumb. This show okay, is so, so dumb. Um, give LA all your money. Bottom line. Show. Yeah. Phil, I swear uh, to absolutely- God, we have to use the budget to fucking repair the hole in the floor that Brandon left because you guys thought that would be a yeah. fun and natural entrance. My ending yeah. thoughts is everybody on Legends. Everybody on Legends loves every the Legends all loving each other to me is such the core of the show that anything that deviates yeah. from that for me in any way doesn't make sense. So oh, um, right. you know, live yeah. your life. Um buy commissioned fan artists as much as you can. Don't unionize your wrestlers. You unionize your regular workers. You unionize your gamers. If you fall in love, if you fall in love with a werewolf, for God's sake, make him wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah, um, like you gotta, you gotta, like, like the, reinforce it with ample steel. Um, and on that note, we will see you next week for the doll episode. No, no, that'll do like two seconds. It's it's the it's the RV episode. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night.